Hello, and welcome to ASBTDC TV, a product of a partnership between the University of Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center and the Northwest Arkansas Council Small Business Emergency Assistance Program. In this series, we are talking with small businesses, experts, and ASBTDC consultants about the relevant and right now topics and solutions for small businesses. I'm Amy Robinson. Hello, I am Chris Case, and Kara, I'm going to start off right away with um, just asking you that there's so much information out there and it changes every day. And um, what's the latest? I mean, that's kind of my bottom line question. What's the latest? Um, well, from my point of view, as somebody in sort of healthcare and epidemiology, the latest is the same as the first in so much as uh, the dynamics of how respiratory infections spread are the same as they've been. Um, but I do think that um, evidence is sort of coalescing in terms of how transmission of COVID-19 particularly is most likely. And it is most likely in direct person-to-person -person contact for a prolonged period of time indoors. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about, um, it, you have been helping um, ASB, TDC, um, uh, in our forums, you're talking to um, business leaders and business owners everywhere about um, how uh, COVID-19 is affecting small businesses and very specifically the um, health-related um, things that they can do. And so in explaining the epidemiology, um, you have you're talking about everything from um, small intimate restaurant spaces and retailers to big box stores. Um, and so um, what is it that you're finding are some of the key points that you can make to help them make their own decisions for their own businesses um, and the health of themselves, their employees and their customers? Sure, I have just a couple of slides that I think can kind of help Great. us walk through this. So I'll go ahead and try to share those. Awesome. Yay. We love information. And for anybody just listening, yeah, anybody just listening, um, we you can always contact us um, and we'll share the information at the end um, and uh, we all will make these available to you so that you can see them as well as listen. So uh, this information is great. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to have just a little bit of um, uh, uh, the outline still up on the side, but I think that can help us sort of see where we're walking through. So a colleague, John Johnson and I um, from the Walton College of Business put this together and across all sorts of businesses, what you really have to do is balance personal health, the sort of burden on the health system, community spread of the virus, and the fact that we all have to um, have our livelihoods as a part of the conversation and what we need to do to um, participate in the economy, both from a, um, a salary standpoint, but also from a support of our small business colleagues. So as we think about how um, disease spreads, this is sort of the um, transmission pathway from an infected person to a susceptible person. 
And there's this thing called the infectious dose, but essentially it's the amount of virus um, that someone needs to be exposed to in order to actually then um, uh, exhibit signs and symptoms of the disease themselves. And so here are all the things that both we can do as individuals, but that businesses are also doing to sort of break this transmission pathway and decrease the infectious dose, essentially decrease the amount of virus um, that is first shed by the infected person and then um, uh, in the air, either aerosolized or in droplet form or on surfaces uh, in ways that could be um, accessed in a variety of ways by the susceptible person. Uh, and so we're really familiar at this point with the concept of physical distancing, staying um, six feet apart. Um, I think one of the things that has become really clear is that the interruption pathway that comes from uh, the infected person, the source wearing a mask, is probably our most effective um, in group settings where physical distancing may be happening but may not be reliably um, able to be maintained in like a grocery store where you might um, need to pass closer than that uh, in an aisle or standing in front of a particular product. Um, and so this sort of just walks through the things that each of us can do in order to um, decrease the risk that that viral dose, that infectious dose um, is concentrated enough to actually spread disease. And then in thinking about sort of the likelihood of transmission across the variety of uh, different contacts that we might have in the course of our daily lives, we want to think about um, both the frequency of interaction, the duration of interaction, the intensity, and then the exposure span or how many different people. So if you think just about like sitting in a restaurant, so there are lots of people coming from lots of places, but your intensity, duration, and frequency can all be mitigated by wearing masks and importantly by everyone else also wearing a mask. Um, the restaurants have done a great job of interrupting the transmission pathways, everything from the way they're infecting, um, disinfecting surfaces and turning over tables to the greater spacing of tables. Um, I think the restaurants have done everything they can to really minimize uh, risk. Um, certainly in stores, you know, the stores, because it, it in a sort of big box retailer, um, because it's a big space, because uh, the interactions are very brief, the overall risk is lower. But again, once uh, masks are introduced into that, then the risk really becomes very minimal. Without masks, of course, um, that risk is higher. And it, in every case, uh, source control interrupting the initial release of virus um, in droplet form or aerosol out into the air is the most important sort of uh, weapon that we have against community spread. I'm going to so, ask to pause here just a minute, Kara, because I think you've got this great um, graphic of the um, different um, 
places that we might interact with people, everything from, you know, stores to workplaces to movie theaters. And so um, just focusing in on um, like restaurants and maybe a big box store. So one of the things you have here is number of interactions. And I know that, um, you know, in a, in a restaurant setting, one of the things that they've been trying to do is make one server per table. So you're only having interaction. You don't have a, um, somebody that brings your water and somebody brings that your food and somebody that checks you out, that it's just kind of a one person interaction. And, you know, that is, that's one way to do it. The other thing is in a, a big box store, you know, you are casually passing by people, you're, so your number of interactions is very limited, and then you're really just going to one person to check out. And so some of the measures that a big box store might take versus what a restaurant store might take, a restaurant might take, or a small retailer um, might be a little bit, it might be a little bit different. Um, and then the other thing that you um, talk about is um, what's happening ventilation-wise and space-wise within that space. And um, so I wonder if you would talk a little bit about, um, you know, the spaces themselves, those inside spaces, that proximity, and, and then air quality and kind of what, what role that plays a little bit. Sure. So ventilation is really important in so much as um, we know, for example, that transmission is incredibly unlikely outside. And that's because uh, the viral particles are essentially diluted into the air and dried uh, via evaporation and the movement of air sort of moves them away both from one another as particles, but also away from um, people. So if you're already uh, a distance from another person, the likelihood of that transmission is quite low. So inside spaces, uh, as many things as any um, indoor environment can do to sort of mimic the outdoors. So filtration systems, uh, HEPA filters, um, there's an organization called ASHRAE that is, uh, sets the sort of standard for HVAC and um, is a great resource uh, for thinking about ventilation. Having um, doors and windows open, particularly in places like restaurants that may have big doors, garage doors or docking um, doors that can create um, movement throughout the space. Uh, those are all ways to sort of uh, decrease the likelihood that the air in um, an interpersonal contact is stagnant. That's great. That's fantastic. I hope that didn't take you too off course. I think that that was just one of the things that was really, really stands out in, um, in our conversations um, that the businesses have with you. Yeah, just to um, touch on one more really frequent sort of interaction point and I think quite um, sort of heavy question for a lot of people is the question around churches and church services. Um, all of the same dynamics apply as to any other indoor space. The added part of a church service is the proximity. So often you're shoulder to shoulder with other people in pews. So certainly um, distancing, physical distancing can help with that. The other um, sort of unique part of a church service is singing. So when you sing, you forcefully expel the air in your lungs out um, much more so than just talking in a normal conversational tone. Mm -hmm. And so when an entire congregation of people is singing at once, 
without masks there to cover that exhalation, that forced exhalation, that can be a really um, uh, sort of rampant uh, viral shedding event um, in that everyone, you know, is forcefully expelling whatever viral particles they might be carrying. Um, I think the other important thing to note about sort of the act of singing or singing as a congregation is that um, in that instance, you know, in a normal conversation, one person is speaking at a time. So not only is your mouth open to sing, but then you're also inhaling at the same time versus someone talking and someone, the other person's mouth being closed alternately. Well, and do you feel like there's also from a mask standpoint, um, you're basically, we are protecting other people from us. And sometimes we don't know if anything's happening with us or not. Um, and as testing rises and some of those opportunities, um, uh, but we are hearing about, you know, you might get tested one day, but that doesn't mean that, you know, four days later, something's not happening. Um, so, I, you know, there's a um, self-consciousness, I think a little bit um, in, in that, but um, can you speak to that just a little bit and kind of what you're saying? Certainly. So the tricky part is uh, whether someone is asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. So it is true that someone with symptoms is likely to be shedding more virus than someone without symptoms, even if they're both infected. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly severity of symptoms is correlated with viral load. So it is the right thing to stay home if you're sick. It is the right thing to screen for fever that is helpful that said in that um sort of pre-symptomatic phase um it, it may not be the case that you're not having symptoms it may it may be that you're not registering symptoms and so the safest thing for each of us to do in terms of source control is to assume to treat our, ourselves to assume that we are infected and that we're asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. Um, asymptomatic cases are less likely to transmit than pre-symptomatic cases where someone goes on to then develop quite severe symptoms. That said, there is uh, evidence of, you know, low levels of, but still evidence of uh, asymptomatic transmission. So it, it would be um, false confidence or bravado to go out in public believing that you couldn't possibly be exposing other people just because you don't feel ill. Uh, you very well could be. And so, you know, it's, it's this concept of source control is the reason to wear your mask. And I couldn't be happier about the mask up Arkansas um, sort of hashtag and uh, uh, social marketing that's going on because I think it is really important for each of us to just understand that our responsibility is to not uh, inflict harm on others and you know my my personal liberties stop where someone else's start so if I'm going to choose to go into an indoor environment particularly with other people then I need to make sure that you know my choices aren't harming them yeah the other topic I was thinking about Chris is um that comes up in the in the restaurants is um, restaurants and, and retail and pretty much all businesses is um, contact tracing 
and um, and em employees and customers and um, so I'm curious, Kara, what um, what are some of your best tips on that for for businesses? Now's the right time. Sorry, yeah. you've, talked, you've talked about this before. How important is contact tracing? So it's a good point to drive home again. Yeah, contact tracing is what will eventually let us put down this um, spread and get something called the R not the sort of measure of replication down below one, um, which will eventually drive um, cases down and then they sort of precipitously drop off. And so the thing about contact tracing is the sooner someone knows that they are indeed infected, the less likely they are to infect other people. And so um, this is the right time to over communicate. This is the right time for radical transparency. This is not the time to hoard information or um, act out of, you know, shame or fear. This is not something that anyone should feel, um, you know, that they did something wrong in becoming infected. We're all just living our lives and doing the best that we can. And most of us in the coming you know, months to years will be exposed and many of us will become ill. And it's important that in order to, you know, prevent that and at the very least manage it below hospital capacity, it's important that we just be really, really willing to come forward and say, I don't feel well. That's step number one is don't excuse it. Don't assume it's allergies. Don't assume that, you know, the people that you were in contact with have the same level of um, risk analysis and exposure that you do. Uh, they very well may not. So you have to assume that everyone um, could be exposed. And so contact tracing is the thing that ultimately will help us uh, shut down um, community transmission. And so we all need to participate in it. That's we all great. need all of us need to do everything we can to get tested if we need to be tested, say when we've been in contact with someone, self-isolate, you know, contact tracing will, is our only real hope of having um, a truly downward trajectory. You know, we've been at this kind of simmering level for a long time. Cases here in Northwest Arkansas are now very markedly rising. The only way to get from that simmer point back down is contact tracing and isolation. That's that's really helpful. I've I've heard you talk about that before, and I thought that's a great point to to drive home because that's that's kind of a, a little piece of, of good news in all this. That, it, that if we do take, we're very transparent and we are active in in tracing con contacts, and um, we might be able to get a little bit of control on this. Yeah, I mean, New York's back below 1% positivity rate, you know, after being such a hot spot. And much of what they have done is just contact tracing and isolation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, I think you wanted to um, close up on, um, on some projections that Kara has. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. So is, is there anything, so Kara, just kind of wrap up and, and is there anything that you want to tell us that where, where this is kind of 
going in your own personal opinion because you you have had so much great information that you've shared and have been spot on the whole way through um do you have any projections or anything that you'd like to share that 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 your kind of feeling is right around the corner um, i think you know um likely it's more of the same um i do think that we will um sort of see a change in dynamics i hope not big spikes in cases but certainly a change in dynamics when kids go back to school in the fall um, and certainly in Fayetteville when students return, um, just because it's a big change in people's traffic patterns. Um, I hope that this summer is letting us all get really used to our masks and sort of make that a part of our um, just daily routine uh, and that we won't have big spikes, but I think the sort of next big shift will come um, around, you know, that re-entry into the formal schooling environment. One thing I'll say about that is um, there's a little bit of nuance to the seasonality of things like the flu, other viral conditions. You know, people attribute it often to air temperature, and that's actually not as much of what's happening as behavioral dynamics. So when it's warm, people spend more time outside. outside. Yeah. Cold, exactly. People spend more time inside. When it's warm and humid, all of our mucous membranes are moist and making mucus and that's much more um, protective. When it's cold and dry, our mucous membranes tend to dry and have little microscopic cracks, which is a portal of entry for virus and bacteria. And so the seasonality of illness really has it, it certainly does have some effect on the actual viral particles, but it has as much to do at, as anything with behavioral patterns. Wow. So um, I think we should definitely see the fact that we're having a spike despite people being outside more as problematic um, and work now to kind of mitigate that and get it back down, knowing that it, it's harder to mitigate when it gets cold and you necessarily need to spend more time inside. Right. So can you, for lack of a better term, Kara, sunny side this for us a little bit? Um, <laughs> so if we do everything really well and we're, we follow, you know, the knowledge is power, which is exactly what you're giving us right now. Um, and so what is it that um, if everybody does these things, we follow these recommendations and, um, and we are vigilant and, um, all of these things happen. What does what does that look like for us? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, um, at, you know, I've been saying since the beginning, it's something to definitely be cautious about, but not um, terrified of. And mm -hmm. we do need to go about our business and live our lives. Uh, we, we've got a lot of information. We're armed with good information. Don't be reckless. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Be cautious of touching your mouth and nose don't um, be in large indoor congregate settings if you don't have to, um, be aware of travel, you know, most importantly, monitor yourself for symptoms, don't dismiss right. symptoms that could be um, concerning. Um, and, and beyond that, the other really good news is that for most people, the majority of people who get sick 
will not have anything that is life threatening happen to them. They're not going to feel good and they might not feel good for quite a long time. But for the majority of people, um, you know, this is something that they will recover from and go on to be fine. That said, it's the responsibility of those of us who will probably be fine to protect those who won't. So um, people who are in any of the vulnerable populations, so over 65, um, autoimmune diseases, immune system compromised, kids with airway disorders, um, newborns, uh, new moms. This one doesn't come up so much, but uh, my clinical trainings as a midwife, so I feel obligated to say postpartum moms have, um, pregnant and postpartum moms have a somewhat uh, depressed immune system as a part of the body's normal response to pregnancy. Growing so alive. That's right. So that the fetus isn't seen as a threat and your immune system doesn't fight the growing baby, your immune right. system is necessarily depressed. So it's important that people don't, you know, push to throw a baby shower for someone, right. don't push to go see the brand new baby right away. You know, that mom needs at least six weeks of pretty careful um, isolation before her immune system will be strong enough again um, to, to have a reasonable chance of fighting off a viral illness of any sort. So that's important to remember. And then I think, you know, in general, we should all just sort of settle in, you know, determine your own sort of uh, tolerance and comfort with risk and your own risk mitigation strategies yeah. and just sort of go with that. Um, I think the other good news is that despite this spike, which is absolutely concerning in Northwest Arkansas, um, our uh, percent positivity uh, overall as a state is staying relatively low. It is not true, by the way, that we have more cases because we're testing more people. That isn't true. If that were true, then the hospitalizations would stay much lower than they are. We're at 77% utilization of ICU beds in the state and it's not uniformly distributed. That's concerning. Um, you know, it, it shouldn't be trivialized or, you know, um, seen as something that is just because we're testing more people. Um, but the biggest growing, the, the steepest increase is in somewhat younger people. And so the rates of severe illness and certainly death are a little less in this current spike um, than they were kind of earlier on because in general, the new infections have been mostly in younger um, people. Well, one of the things that I, I know that we've, um, asked you to do is just kind of, and, and what the series is about is what's happening right now. And so right. thank you for that. Um, you know, really our, our, this is where we are right now. So we'll probably um, have you back um, yes. and would love to have you again to kind of give us some more information and updates um, at a later time. Um, sure. And we hope that, you know, it's to your point, it's kind of like we're buying time to right. for each other to um to heal and to um you know work on vaccines and other um solutions um so that we can all get through this together because well, we're all I in think, it together i think the thing that really hits home with me with kara too just to, to finalize this is one
I've said over and over again that I spread to my, my children and to other young, young individuals out there to think that they're um, a little bit more resilient than the rest of us. You know, of course, do it for yourself, but even better, do it for those around you. So you know, even though that you think that you're invincible, you know, put on a mask for, for the, the young lady that, that is carrying a baby in, in this story. So I, I just thought and I spread that, that word a lot. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and of course, we really appreciate you being here because we we have been filled with your information, and so um, we are we are really excited to be able to share this um, around with everyone because um, we always get value out of every conversation with you. So, thank you, yeah. and thanks to all of our watchers and listeners. Um, if you have a suggested topic, a question, if you um, need an answer, someone uh, that you'd like to hear from, that you'd like to suggest to us, or a story that you'd like to share we would love for you to contact us at bizhelp that's b-u-s-h-e-l-p at uark.edu and put tv in the subject line if you are interested in benefiting from our free one-on-one consulting assistance please sign up at sbtdc.uark.edu um, all the information is on your screen so thank you and we'll see you next time all right thanks a lot see you thank thanks. you Thank you.